Episode 3 of Thinking Out Loud. And today I'm going to continue thinking about the US presidential elections, our election. And to that end, we're going to focus on the battleground states as I see them in the 10 days ahead. I have a list in front of me. I'm getting a bit more organized as we go along. I have a list of about 16 states that could loosely be described as battleground states. It's probably a core of 10 where there's going to be heavy fighting over who wins the states. But I think broadly speaking, there's 16. If there's a landslide, some of these 16 are going to flip to the other side in this election. Now, sometimes when you're thinking too much on a subject or when I'm thinking too much on a subject, I often listen to a bit of music and I'll often start getting ideas from other events that have happened or other events that have happened will pop into my head as a kind of a link to what I'm thinking about. And one of the events that I've been think that has been popping into my head over the last few days as I think about the momentum shift that has happened in the US presidential election approximately ten days ago, where the Hunter Biden stories, emails, laptop, sex tapes have started to emerge is an event in 2009, the 2009 Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe in France. What is that, you might ask? Well, it's one of Europe's premier horse racing events. And in that year, 2009, there was an Irish horse called See the Stars. And it was trained by an Irish trainer called John Ox. Now, John Ox would be one of the premier flat trainers in Ireland, but he isn't one of the global superstars or a trainer with the global resources of someone like Aidan O'Brien or one of the syndicates from the Middle East that invest heavily into the thoroughbred and bloodstock industry. But in 2009, John Ox had the best European three-year-old on the continent. His name was See the Stars. Now, See the Stars, during the summer of 2009, won five Group 1 races, including the Epsom Derby in the UK, the 2000 Guineas, and another three Group 1 events in Ireland and the UK. So towards the end of the summer of 2009, John Ox had a decision to make, and that decision was whether to enter See the Stars in the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe. It was a Highly contested race. It had a couple. It had the Irish Derby winner. It had um, the 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 full deck of European superstars lined up against his horse. Now, if see the stars retired with his five Group Ones, he would have still been considered the number one European three-year-old of the year. However, John Ox went for glory and decided to race see the stars in that two thousand and two thousand and nine. And what unfolded was a race that nobody expected. And I'm going to play a clip of that race for you today, just to give you an idea of how events unfolded. So bear with me and we'll go to it. Outside is Cavalryman trying to get across. Further back in the field is Hume Zane, followed then by Getaway, and back there is Berestam Conduit. He's right there in the centre in the light jacket. Well, back in the field too in the early stages. Uh, at this stage is Hot Six, followed then by Magadan. And see the stars has just lost a little bit of ground there as they hit down the side. 
And uh, as they settle fully into stride, it's Grand Ducal who's out in front by two lengths to Stasolita, who's got over beautifully. In third is there Condu at the outside from Dare Me in the pink jacket at the inside. Beristam is further back in the field, followed then in the centre by Fame and Glory. Conduit behind them, the light jacket, then see the stars, yellow and purple, right there, bang in the centre, followed then by Getaway. Back in the field, two at this stage, out wide is Magadan, giving them a long start, preceded by the Bogbury La Boom. Then Yume Zane smothered up on the fence, but set sail with six furlongs to go, is four or five lengths clear of the stablemate Grand Ducal. Then about eight lengths to Stasolita, Dare Me, the outside cavalryman has got over close. Followed then by Vision d'Etat. And these leaders are getting right away from them as they pass the 1,000-metre mark, five furlongs from home. Further back is Beristar, followed in the centre by Fame and Glory in a nice posse. They're followed then by, back in the field of this stage, Conduit. See the stars on the inside of runners and about six to that group, that third group, followed further back in the field then by Hot Six and the Bogbury giving them a long start. They race towards the turn in the arc and the leaders are a long way clear, set sail and also on the outside, the other one, Grand Ducal, they're about five in front now of Stasolita. He's getting up on the inside, I'll see the stars. He's got six or seven legs to make up. He'll have to be a champion. Stasolita races into the lead now, two in front. He is a champion, I reckon. He's got the run now in the centre. He's out after the leader. He picks up Stasolita. He powers clear. See the stars racing away. Perfection in equine form. A horse of a lifetime. He's just going to go on and win the arc by two legs. Tight second. A horse of a lifetime. Well, the next ten days will tell us if Trump is a politician of a lifetime or not. Um, but certainly... That uh, race gets the old blood flowing through the veins again. So let's jump into the battleground states and the state of play at the weekend. So I have a list of 16, as I said earlier. The first one I'm going to focus on is the most important one, in my opinion, and that's Pennsylvania. There is very poor data out of this state at the moment. It's a mail-in ballot state. There is not much in the way of early in-person voting until Election Day. And as of today, Pennsylvanians, 1.46 million of them have returned mail-in ballots. 1 million Democrats and 295,000 Republicans and about 130,000 independents or minor parties. So, what does that mean? It means Democrats have a 4 to 1 advantage so far in return ballots. Now, in order for Trump to win this state, his November 3rd turnout machine needs to be operating at the highest efficiency. There are already multiple lawsuits going on in this state over thousands of ballots being sent to the wrong districts, to the wrong people. This state is a mess. And it's not likely it's and it's likely to require significant legal battles in order to ascertain a winner. I would say at the moment Biden has a slight edge here and that is one of the reasons that President Trump is spending so much time focused on Pennsylvania. Biden helped him at the final debate where he made that massive error on transitioning out of admitting that he's going to transition out of the um, fossil fuels when he becomes president. Pennsylvania is a big fracking state and there are hundreds of thousands of jobs that are on the line if that goes ahead so trump has already cut three or four ads post the presidential debate and he's playing them at his rallies now um to hammer home the point but everything in the state depends on voter turnout on the day because it's quite obvious republicans are not returning ballots so the ground game on November 3rd in Pennsylvania, the key to Trump winning the state. But as I say, there's a slight advantage to Biden here just in terms of the volume of people that have returned ballots so far. So 1.46 million people. What's that in terms of the electorate? In 2016, 6 million Pennsylvanians voted, give or take a few thousand. That number is more likely to between more likely to be between six point five and seven million in this election. So there is still a significant number 
in that state that have yet to cast a ballot. So there's a bit of hope there for Trump. But again, Democrats have been returning their ballots pretty early here. Um, one thing to note in any state that is heavily reliant on mail-in ballots as a percentage of the turnout, if there is a massive increase in mail up mail ballots being returned after the election could be to me a signifier of significant fraud because one thing the state voting statistics tells us is pretty much how many ballots are being returned per day the trend in the 50 states today has been that people are sending in their ballots early and that's why we're seeing a lot of states already having passed the 50% mark in terms of turnout over and above, over the 2016 turnout. Pennsylvania, curiously, is is less than 30% of ballots returned. And it's a kind of an anomaly compared to other hot ticket states like Florida, like California, like um, North Carolina, where mail-in ballots have been returned at a far greater rate. So we just need to keep an eye on that. It's likely this state's going to go... The state has a, an odds-on chance of being decided in the courts. And there's 20 electoral college votes up for grabs in the state, so it's hugely important to both candidates. Now I want to shift attention out to the Midwest because I think this is a part of the country that doesn't get enough attention. There are three states in particular out here, Colorado, Nevada... And New Mexico. Now, in terms of electoral college votes, they're not very big. Colorado six, Nevada six, New Mexico five. They all went for Hillary Clinton in the last election, but by margins of five percent or less. Now, I think Trump will flip at least one of these, if not two, and I'll give you some reasoning for that. Um, first, first thing to note here is in two thousand and sixteen, the Libertarian Party, and um, candidate Gary Johnson polled significantly in these in this part of the world. Gary Johnson was formerly um, a governor of New Mexico and his runner mate was a was a previous governor of Massachusetts as far as I'm aware. So Gary Johnson and the Libertarians polled over four million votes in 2016, which was about three point two percent of the all ballots cast. It was a significant increase in vote from the Libertarian vote in 2012, which was in the ra- in the range of one and a half million, I think. But where the Libertarians do well in particular states, and generally particular states around where the candidates are from. So if we take a state like Colorado, well, Colorado, um, Gary Johnson polled at 5.17%, and in New Mexico, he he polled at 9.34 percent so just to give you an idea that was the win that the 9.4 percent in new mexico would have got trump trump over the line uh, four years ago now this year the libertarian candidate joe jorgensen is not from that part of the country and it's unlikely that her name she has the name recognition to break through the 3.2 percent in this election libertarian Libertarian candidates are generally speaking from the Republican side of the aisle, and however, they are being used as a as a place where people that are not happy with either candidate dump their vote. So it'll be quite interesting to see if, particularly New Mexico, because I'll I'll run through the I'll run through the New Mexico numbers here now, just to give you an idea of the state of play in New Mexico. So as of well, as of the weekend, New Mexico's reporting just shy of 500,000 people that have voted. That is a mix of mail ballots returned and in-person votes. So the mail ballots returned is 227 and the in-person votes is 262. Of the mail ballots returned, 144,000 from Democrats, 47,000 from Republicans. So that's a 3 to 1 advantage Democrats. And as I said before, anything over a two-to-one advantage um, prior to the election day could be a problem for Republicans to make up. However, if we go into the in-person voting, it tells us a completely different picture. 
with the early vote there. Republicans have already got 120,000 and Democrats are on 106,000. So you can see there, um, Republicans are eating into that lead of that lead of 197,000. They've eaten away about 14,000 in the early vote so far. Again, um, the indep how the independents swing in this election is also going to be a telling vote. It's going to be a telling thing as well because um, at least 64,000 or 13.2% of the people that have voted are defined as independent. And the key thing here is they also split it into minor parties. So a minor party would indicate that they're, that's the libertarian party because, um, as we know, there's you know there's various other candidates that can run, but outside of the big two, where a state defines minor, it's normally the Libertarian and Green Party. And at the moment, with a half a million ballots cast, only zero point nine people, zero point nine of one percent of people have voted for a minor party. So you can see that's a big swing away from the nine point three four percent that Gary Johnson polled in that state in 2016 where that nine percent is going could decide the election um, but at the moment what we see is Trump is ground to make up here he's about roughly speaking 168 he's about 80,000 votes behind in the state at the moment but as I said the two to one is my kind of um, principle on this election where he's within two to one on coming up to the election day i think he's a great chance because any polling we've seen about election day voting has indicated that the republicans have a huge advantage on people of people that are planning to vote on the day so we're going to keep an eye on that but as i said there i think he's in pretty good shape to cause an upset there at the moment next the next week is going to be one of those the, the most volatile in u.s presidential campaigns and um, you're going to see a rise in the amount of legal cases about ballots that are being returned and poll watching and all this kind of stuff plus um stories on intimidation of people voting not they're not being enough voting stations for them to vote in and i think we have seen on the thursday and friday of last week Democrats start to get a bit worried as vote Republicans started flocking to the polls in Florida, particularly Florida. And New Mexico is a state that we need to keep a very close eye on because it's not that big a state. Like there is a good chance uh, that New Mexico will know we can figure out the result in New Mexico before the election because I think there's only. Um, just look it up here but i think there is only something over a million voters in the new mexico electors so if we look at 2016 and sorry there's voters hillary clinton got 385,000, and donald trump got 319,000, and gary johnson got 70,000. so you can see as it is that the electorate in new mexico is somewhere in the region of 800,000, give or take for this election so with 489,000 in, we can see that we probably know the result of the New Mexico election. We'll, be, we'll have a good idea of the new, next New Mexico results really before the election because it's likely that, you know, over half the election, electorate have voted already and it'll, be, it'll really come down to how the independents have voted in that state. So Trump is about 80,000 votes to make up at the moment. It is likely the advantage for the next week is going to be with him because as we've seen, any once a state introduces in-person voting, they, they tend to stop mailing back ballots. So again, a lot of campaign people are going to be pouring over the trends in mailing ballots to see if, to see if there's any fraud in the last day or two of the election cycle in terms of huge numbers of ballots being returned at the last minute and um, once they once people can see what's required to win generally speaking 
the system seems to have been working pretty robustly so far. So finally we go to Nevada where I spoke about this in episode 2 in detail and the data has just got better and better in the state for Trump. The only thing to note here is that the only thing to note here is that there is the Trump campaign have legal proceedings on how mail-in ballots in the state are not being poll watchers are not being allowed to oversee um, mail-in ballots in certain instances. So there is a procedural complaint by the Trump campaign in how Nevada, in particularly Clark County in Las Vegas, Clark County, which has Las Vegas, is processing mail-in ballots. It's, I don't think there's much in it at the moment in terms of, um, you know, voter fraud or anything, but I think it's just a signal that the Trump campaign view Nevada as a state that they can win. Now, to that end, let's have a look at the um, votes that are in for the state of Nevada. So, there are approximately 645,000 votes in for Nevada. The state of play at the moment is Democrat registered voters are 278,000, 278,000. Republicans are at 224,000 and independents are at 142,000. So you can see there, there's about a 54,000 voter gap between Democrats and Republicans in this state. Again, we see two, a tale of two cities, depending on whether we're looking at in-person votes or return mail ballots. On the return mail ballots, Democrats have a 93,000 vote advantage, 186,000 to 89,000 over Republicans. Whereas in the in-person voting, Republicans have a big advantage in this state. They're 134,000 to 91,000, so a 43,000 vote advantage for, Republic, for Republicans in this state. There are a few things to bear in mind here, and I'll just reiterate what I said about Clark County. Clark County holds Las Vegas. Clark County holds the largest um, concentration of people in the state. So it's highly important to perform well here. Hillary Clinton won this district by 11 points in 2016, as I said before. Now, the curious thing is, on the in-person voting statistics for week one of early voting, we, Donald Trump is outperforming Joe Biden, 83,000 to 69,000 in Clark County. Bear in mind, he lost this county by 11 points in 2016. He doesn't need to win it, but um, if he did win it, that you can guarantee that he's going to win the state. He's going to win the state. He's perform in per in the in person voting. He's perform he's he's performing really well. Obviously, the mail in voting area is going to tell us another story. But next week is highly critical to his chances in this sense. Um, if this trend continues for a second week where he outperforms Joe Biden by you know fifteen thousand votes in the in this county, it's highly unlikely that the mail-in ballot returns are going to overturn that to such a degree as he performs worse than he performed against Hillary Clinton. So all I would say is we'll keep our eye on that, but a tell is Donald Trump made a campaign stop last Sunday, a week ago, in Carson City. He has put Nevada back on the campaign for next week with a trip planned for Las Vegas. So he view, his campaign views this state as in play. They're dedicated. When, they, when a campaign dedicates resources to a state like this in the last week of a presidential campaign, it's because they absolutely believe they have a great chance of winning it. So that is that. So that's a roundup of um, New Mexico and Nevada. Colorado is a state that... Hillary Clinton got 1.3 million votes in and, and, and Trump got 1.2 million votes. Again, Gary Johnson, the Libertarian, polled at 5.17% uh, in this state in 2016. So what we're going to have to 
wait to find out is what are the Libertarian Party doing in Colorado 2020? And if we go into the statistics for Colorado, again, they look quite good for, for Trump considering it's a mail ballot returned and accepted state and an in-person early vote state. So, like, again, you're going to see this all over the place. But again, in Colorado, Democrats have returned 600,000 mail-in ballots. Republicans have returned 407,000, which is quite, you know, the, the gap there isn't huge. It's too, well, I mean, it's 200,000, but Colorado also has over half a million independents that have returned ballots. Uh, the in-person voting <clears throat> is quite is quite small here. It's only 12,000. And the the in-person voting in Colorado is basically in the form as you can hand in your mail-in ballot to a, to a polling station. It's not a proper like in-person voting system. So, again, Trump is going to be relying on a huge on-the-day turnout. But what we can tell from Colorado is 55.7% of the state have already voted. Um in comparison to 2016 numbers. So it, at the moment, he has about 190,000 gap in the vote. Um, and the election is going to be decided between, um, if he can close that gap and what way independents are leaning in that state because independents are the largest group by registration class. Um now, the minor party in the state, which will, the majority of which will be libertarian, have only returned 17,000 votes. So that is a, minus, a minuscule percentage of the vote, just over 1%. So again, what we're seeing here is a state that Gary Johnson was able to get over 5% in 2000, and libertarians are returning about 1%. So... You know, if that vote is leaning into Trump, it will be um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, now, let's move on. So that's we've covered four states there, and we're going to move back towards the east again, and a state that has great data, and that's Florida. So Florida has a significant mail-in ballot um, set up. It's Trump's home state, as in the state he is voting in. And he, I think he voted yesterday. There was a bit of press publicity about it. And also, the in-person early voting started last Sunday. And by all accounts, it's been a tsunami of voting in. It's been a tsunami of voting in Florida. So what, do we, what can we ascertain so far from Florida? Well, as of Sunday... 5.7 million people have voted. And that's roughly 40% of the people that voted in 2016. I'd say that's roughly 40% of the registered voters. So there's quite a lot more to um, vote there. Say to play at the moment, Democrat 2.4 million, Republicans just shy of 2.1 million. Again, they're very close. They're a lot closer than I'd expect them to be a week out from the vote. Unless there's a unless there is a huge mail-in ballot return, um, that number that gap is closing all the time. So it's a gap of about three hundred and sixty thousand. Uh, when I looked at this, the gap between Democrats and Republicans was about six hundred and fifty thousand at the beginning of the week. So they're eating into every day. There's been in-person voting. They've been eating, and it's quite easy to see. 1.7 million Democrats have returned mail-in ballots. 1.1 uh, million Republicans have returned mail-in ballots. And about 800,000 independents. However, the in-person, as with nearly every state, tells a different story. 698 Democrats have turned up at the polls so far, and 928,000 Republicans have shown up at the polls. Um, independents are accounting roughly for 350,000 that have showed up in person. So the breakdown of in person is currently 2 million people have voted in person against against uh, roughly 3.7 that have sent return ballots. So <coughs> you can see again another state where 
as the percentage of people that are showing up at the polls increases, it's eaten into the Democrat lead. And Trump's in good shape here. Like the from what I'm hearing um from various Florida news sources, uh the Republicans are very confident about Florida. They're confident they're gonna win Florida by more than what they won it by in two thousand and sixteen. So Having said that, it's all to play for. So next week is going to be it, it's going to be dynamite in Florida next week because I, I think you're going to see this wave of early voting continue to the point that I think to the point that um you know the the number of people the pressure on the pressure on polling stations on election day is not going to be huge because you know well over fifty maybe 55% of the registered voters will have voters. And this is a state that probably produces, you know, 70% turnout rates. So, you know, it's not going to be a mass um, last-minute voting job in Florida this time around. So things are shaping up well there in Florida for Mr. Trump. So the next one, I, the next one I'm going to have a quick look at is North Carolina. The early date out of North Carolina a week ago was kind of frightening for Republicans um, because it was, you know, it was shown a Democrat um, were well over two to one on the mail-in ballot return. And again, this was a state Trump won in 2016, but he had, um, he has a lot of competition this time around for, for North Carolina. The Democrats are definitely making a major play to win it. So, as of today, um, there's 770,000 um, mail-in ballots returned in this state. Democrats have returned 367,000. Republicans have returned 150,000. And in-person voting, Democrats lead 880,000 to Republicans 779,000. So, in total votes, there's 3.1 million people have voted in the state. So... Um, now, what I will say is that the urban centres in this state have voters that they're at high turnout rates already. And but it's if I was a Republican, I would be worried because um, the Democrats have a lead here in the state between um, mail-in ballots and in-person ballots of a significant amount and you put it at a hundred thousand to two hundred and fifty three hundred and fifty thousand lead at the moment. Now what's three point one million as a percentage of vote in North Carolina? So we'll look at that to see is the high percentage of um, Carolina people left to vote. And we can see that you know in the less in the last election election cycle, you know Roughly 4.6 million uh, people voted. So there's a significant amount of the vote in. We'd probably estimate this election is going to be closer to the 5 million mark. So I would say that, you know, that uh, Republicans have a lot of work to do in this coming week to get their vote out if they're going to win the state. They seem confident. The polling in North Carolina curiously is starting to trend Trump. The data in this state is not super. Other, the only thing you, the only thing you could say about this state really is that there are a lot of there are approximately a million independents that have voted already. What way they vote is going to probably decide the election. So that's North Carolina. Michigan is a state, you know, very controversial governor, Governor Whitmer in that state. It's pretty much um, been locked down for the entire coronavirus. Um, a lot of Michigan people are not happy with their governor, and she's a Democrat. Um, almost all, all, of the, um, all of the ballots returned are male ballots. We have very little visibility on... They're not really split by Republican, Democrat, Independent in the state. We're relying on basically polling and you know some analysis of what counties of return mail-in ballots can give you a certain idea of how things are going but again trump supporters are going to show in poll in the ballot box on november 3rd more 
so than Democrats. And the only other thing you could say here is that the electorate, electorate is approximately 3 million. And at this point, there are 1.9 million ballots returned. And so based on that, that's nearly two-thirds of the electorate that have already voted, if that data is correct. Um, now, poll, the, the most recent poll showed Trump up in this state by a significant margin, like more than two points, which for Trump is significant. Um, so again, we're just going to have to wait and see on this state because there's not, you know, um, that you, you can't make, based on the data that's returned, you can't really make projections on what's going on in Michigan. Michigan, I, other than Trump's rally there over the weekend was massively attended um, and the polls. But again, I, I don't really have much time for polling in an uh, election that is so volatile and an election where you're, we're going to probably see an of 10 to 15 million voters over and above the 2016 turnout. Okay, so um, again, um, uh, Wisconsin is another state that Trump visited on Saturday, and it is one we have. Um, well, we have a little bit of data with Wisconsin. The in-person voting has started there, and sixty per, like one million ballots have also been returned. So it's it's you know it doesn't break it by it doesn't break the data really down to Democrat. Republican or independent, but again, it's look it's trending towards a high turnout um, election in Wisconsin. Like when you know sixty one percent of the ballots are returned, it's obvious that people are are voting by mail and ballot there a lot. But as of now, two hundred eighty four thousand have voted in person. Um, again, it's a state Trump is focused a lot on, so it's one he's you know he won narrowly, narrowly. Wisconsin and, and Mitch and Michigan are like ones he flipped in the last election. You know, he'll need to hold on to them. And they're quite significant in that Michigan has 16 electoral college votes. Wisconsin, ha Wisconsin has 10. Um, now, the next state is uh, Ohio. Now, Ohio is a state that Trump won by eight, nine points in the last election. Surprisingly so. It was called early in 2016. Um to all intents of purposes, he, Trump again was in Ohio yesterday. He was in three states yesterday. Uh, again, all the data as we have it at the moment is mail ballots returned. And there's been approximately 2 million mail ballots returned. We don't have data in any depth from Ohio. All Again, it comes with a health warning. Ohio is a state Trump thinks he has in the bag already. And... Um, this is borne out by how little focus the Biden campaign has given to Ohio. The last poll I saw is had Trump at three points up. And when I say last poll, I saw mostly um, I go with Trafalgar or on the overall I go with Rasmussen. They were pretty good in the last uh, election cycle, but um, not much visibility on what's going on in Ohio at the, at the moment. Um, we could go down into the mail and bass, but again, the Trump vote's coming out in the day, so we'll see what happens in Ohio. Again, it's got 18 electoral college votes, and like these are not states that Trump can afford to. Um, another state where the Democrats thought they were going to possibly flip in 2016 was the state of Georgia. And, you know, it's one of those states, it's got a couple of huge urban centers, like Atlanta, and but other than that, it's a it's a, it's a huge rural state. Generally, would have been a Republican in the bag state sixteen years or 15, twelve or sixteen years ago. Um, Georgia has two point seven million people have already voted in Georgia. So again, to give you an idea of what that means in terms of the overall in two thousand and sixteen. Uh, Trump won the state, but it was by no means a landslide. He won it by 50 to 45, and again, as I said, with 16 electoral college votes, um, it's got a it's got a significant increase in population as well by what I'm reading. So, you know, in 2016, 
approximately 4.1 or 2 million people voted in this state. And did I say it was 4.2? You know, we're wet. it looks like there's 2.7 people, 2.7 million people have voted here. They do, in Georgia, they split, they split it by gender, they split it by age, and they also split it by race, but they don't split it by party. 1.7 million people have showed up in person, is what we can say, to 948,000 that have returned the ballot, which suggests that um, early votes are, the early in-person voting is going briskly. So if we take a quick look at, you know, non-Hispanic whites account for 1 million of that, 1.7 million that have voted. Non-Hispanic black are 478,000, which is... 27% of the people that have voted. Hispanics are 40,000, which is about 2.2%, 2.5% non-Hispanic Asian Americans, and 33,000, and others multiple unknown, 177,000. So I don't know what you can read out of that. The non-Hispanic blacks historically, again, you would think that 90% of the non-Hispanic blacks are voting Democrats. However, the latest poll, the 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 latest approval rating of Trump among um, African Americans was 36%, which is a crazy statistic if it's anyways true, considering that he only got 8% of the African American vote in 2016, and that is a key demographic to keep an eye on in this election cycle. What we can't say about the state is the 18 to 24-year-olds um, account for 7%. It's not huge. 25 to 34 account for 11.4% of the people that have voted. 35 to 44 are 14.9. 45 to 55 are 20. 56 to 65, 22. 66 and up, 21. If that, if that demographic split stays that way, it certainly favours Trump, um, I would have said. Um, but again, we don't, you know, I wouldn't be making too many predictions here based off what we're seeing. It looks moderately good for Trump, but I'd say, again, it's a one he wants his ground game out on in force on the day because you can't get complacent about this state or you're going to lose it. Uh, next up is Minnesota. Well, Minnesota is an interesting state because Trump damn near won it in 2016. And... Late into the night, it looked like he was going to win it in 2016, but he narrowly lost it in the end. Go into it with a quick look. Let's get the 2016 numbers in the state first. So, in 2016, Hillary Clinton got 46.4% of the vote, and Trump got 49 So, about a one and he lost it by one and a half points in you know, in gross numbers, Hillary Clinton got 1.36 million and Trump got 1.32 million. So he lost by about 40,000 votes in the state. Um, there's a kind of uh, east-west divide here. Um, and, you know, again, the urban centers in Minnesota went heavily for um, Hillary Clinton and most of the rural counties in Minnesota. And the number in 50 or 60 went for Trump heavy. Um, he's spending he's spending a lot of time talking about Minnesota. I haven't actually seen if Minnesota is on the campaign stop for the final week. It'll be interesting to see if it is because he does a lot of talking about this state in his stump speeches. So it will. I'm just going to try and see if there was a vote in Minnesota. Can't quite see. Yeah, so the it, it you know the libertarians got three point eight percent of the vote here, slightly above the national average of how they polled. So I would say it's not a significant vote. Um, so what is the actual voter data in twenty telling us about Minnesota? Is the first question. May not look probable. Approximate one point eight million, one point one people, one point one million people have voted in Minnesota today. That's from Friday, the end of day Friday. Again, absentee mail ballots. It's roughly, if we look at the overall total number of people that voted, 2.9, 3, 3 million. Again, it's going to be a high voter turnout election. We're probably looking at 3.5 million people will vote in this election in Minnesota. And I suppose 
3.5, approximately a third of the state of voters. Again, it's a rural state, and what you find with these rural states is they are much more inclined to show up at polls and polling booths. So, again, we can't read too much into Minnesota from the data we have. And um, We talked about Pennsylvania. New Hampshire is an interesting state. Uh, Trump was there on a heavily attended campa campaign rally today. It's only got four electoral college votes, so it's not significant in that. He did he narrowly lost it in two thousand and sixteen, but like and it's it's a real split state. It's not like other states where one you know, you're talking about maybe five or six counties being heavily urban, heavily democrat voting for the democratic nominee and in the large geographical area of the state voting for Trump with lower numbers. This state, you know, it's you know, it's county by county split. I think it's very evenly split in terms of the number of counties each one won. The total number of votes was 348,000 to Hillary Clinton and 345,000 to Donald Trump. So a 3,000 vote win for Clinton there. And again, when Trump is going there in the last week of, an, of a campaign, he's aggressively thinks he can win it. Now, for some reason, Joe Biden is not campaigning in person. And I just saw a tweet there, but I need to confirm it, that he plans to call off all campaign events next week because, well, the, the notional reason is the increase in coronavirus cases that have occurred in the United States. I think it's a, it might be a ploy to try to shame Trump into rolling back the number of rallies he's doing, but you know, at the moment, Trump is doing three a day, two a day. You know, he's really going for it. Air Force One is not getting too much opportunity to take a breather for the last 10 days. But again, New Hampshire, 3,000 win for 3,000 voter win for Hillary Clinton in the last election. Uh, New Hampshire voters have cast 136,137 male ballots. So you can see there, you know, it's going to be an election day turnout there. There is not much, they haven't updated their figures since the 20th and today's the 25th. So maybe it's probably bigger than that now, but like, it looks like they're going to in the main turnout at the polls in New Hampshire. And fairly racing through them there. But if you have any questions or any um, particular states you want more in-depth data from, you can email me at voxdeplorables at gmail.com. That's V-O-X-D-E-P-L-O-R-A-B-L-E-S at gmail.com. So, and again, I'm going to start putting, I have a Patreon uh, account as well. So it's patreon.com forward slash thinking out loud. Let me just double check that I have that right. So I'm going to start putting up show notes and kind of data that I am actually looking at for all these facts and numbers that I'm coming out with here. But let me just double check. So my Patreon, if you go onto Patreon, just follow me or become a member. Um, it's patreon.com forward slash thinking, T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G, out, O-U-T, loud, L-O-U-D-I-R-E, thinking out loud, I-R-E. And all of my podcasts are posted on my Patreon account, or you can find them in Spotify or any of the main um, podcasting platforms. I host the podcast also on Buzzsprout. So again, it's Buzzsprout, thinking out, just do a search for Thinking Out Loud, and I obviously link it on my website, box-deplorables.com as well. But um, yeah, if you want if you want any specific information, I'm always happy to dig into states that people are interested in, and as data's coming out, um, I will be talking about. Be happy to talk about it. Um, so we're kind of left there with Iowa as another state Trump nailed the last time, and uh, what's going on at that state? Well, Iowa is a state that happily divides things into Democrats, Republicans, and independents. So, it's based on mail ballots returned to date so far. So, as of Friday evening, Democrats had returned 350,000 ballots. 
Republicans had returned 213,000 ballots. No party affiliation or independence had returned 119,000 ballots. That All of that brings us to a total of 685,000 people voted in Iowa. So again, it's below the two to one. It it it, it doesn't. It's, Republicans are within the two to one threshold, so they are in you know decent shape. I would say it's not nothing spectacular, but approximately one point five million people voted in the state in two thousand and sixteen. Now I have it as a you know Trump won it by ten points, so you know he should be winning it again. But again, anything within ten points, if there's a wave, a blue waiver you know, a red wave, a state that's within 10 points is theoretically possible to flip. And again, I would expect Iowa has voted for, Iowa voted for Barack Obama. So let's keep that in mind just one occasion anyway. So again, data out there is not great, although it does split it by Democrat-Republican. Um, so they don't have, you know, I think we all know there, we're expecting Trump to have a massive advantage on November 3rd in terms of the people that show up on the day. If he doesn't, he is going to get blown away. Um, Iowa's, you know, it's not a huge state, six electoral college votes. Now, Virginia is the next state on my list. So, you know, Virginia, if do the comparison first with the 2016 election and see what played out here, it had a high turnout of 72%, and Hillary Clinton won it by five points. So pretty... You know, you might say pretty easy. She got 1.9 million votes. Trump got, you know, 7.1 million, 760,000. And she, um, Clinton only got 2 million, to be fair. So you're talking about, she had a 200,000 vote advantage here. So you'd be saying, you know, based on all these polls showing Trump 10 points down, there's no way he can win this. Um, I'm just throwing it in there because I think if there is any way of a move back to Trump in the last two weeks, it's unlikely he'll flip Virginia but it's good to keep an eye on it anyway because it would be definitely a purple state as was Virginia the actual vote we can see 1.9 million per voters so that is significant but again it's all mail-in ballots in per sorry it's um it's 1.182 have voted in person and 760,000 have returned a ballot so that is what 1.9 million yeah so we don't have the republican split there but again the in-person once the in-person early voting started in this state people started you know easing off returning ballots so again the thing to keep an eye on here is if there is a, a late trend to tens of thousands of mail-in ballots being returned on the last day it will uh, indicate a question mark but definite you know Definite advantage to um, Joe Biden in the state, but again, if there is, uh, if tr if Trump is if Trump is holding his own, uh, if if Trump's keeping it to five points in Virginia, based on the increase in population and voter registration, if he's keeping it in the five six percent range in Virginia, he's you know he's as competitive he's being as competitive as he was in two thousand and sixteen, and you know there's no blue wave. Next state up is the state of Arizona. Now, in years gone by, there would be uh, very little talk about states like Arizona because, for the simple reason that um, you know it was a red state. But in two thousand and sixteen, it was uh, the following split: forty-eight percent Trump, forty-four percent Clinton. But like a lot tighter than you would have expected. You know, less than. Three and a half percent are ninety thousand votes. So Democrats, Biden, and these people will be targeting Arizona as a state that will flip. If Joe Biden wins, I'd expect that you'll find Arizona has voted for Arizona has flipped to the Democratic Party. That would be my guess. It's a it's a state that's trending towards blue for a couple of cycles, and it's going to be interesting to see if they flip it in this one. Um, but, and it was a state that, what you find where, what could it, what you can find in states like this is, um, did Hillary, 
if you look at the Democratic primary election, states where Hillary Clinton beat Bernie Sanders, she did a lot better in than in states where Bernie Sanders beat her. There was a lot of slippage of Bernie Sanders voters from Bernie Sanders to Trump based on the Bernie bros having a shared sense of the economic narrative of the populist movement on the right. So where it should be America first in terms of job, jobs, job creation. So they, there is a kind of a shared outlook in that it should be America first for good, well-paying manufacturing jobs. Um, now Bernie Sanders would want those jobs to be in the um, solar, wind, and you know environmentally friendly technologies, whereas you know a lot of Trump's focuses have been on the fracking industry, the oil industry, fossil fuels, and you know steel, coal and steel. So it you know in terms of the what they're looking to um, get jobs in may differ, but the fact is that you know a significant number of Bernie Sanders supporters didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. Many of them didn't vote for Trump, but couldn't bring themselves to vote for Hillary Clinton. So states states that Trump kind of flipped the last time tended to be states that Bernie Sanders beat Hillary Clinton in in the Democratic primary in 2016. So again, Joe, Bi Joe Biden, this will be a state that Hillary Clinton actually beat Bernie in fairly easily. So there will be a strong kind you know there'll be a strong chance of biden doing this you know performing well here so it wouldn't take a lot to turn up change the state and i don't know if i said it earlier it's like this state traditionally has a high 70s turnout you know it would be pretty good in terms of um voter participation and i think that brings us finally to texas i spent the first episode of this podcast talking about texas and i made a prediction in that podcast that said I think in 2016, 8.9 million Texans voted. And in the first podcast, I said, based on the first three days of early voting, I thought that Texas would beat the 2016 turnout number before the election. So we're a week closer to the election. And let's have a look in Texas to see if I am talking out the side of my ass about that. So Texas... And Texas is one of the states that has excellent numbers. Go into the counties and all of that good stuff. And there's links to, you know, the, the State Board of Elections in Texas, which you can download each county's data, the percentages, all that kind of stuff. So we can say, as of today, Sunday, 7.2 million Texans have voted. 7.2 million Texas have Texans have voted. So, what does that tell us? The number I said was 8.9 million voters in the last election. They're definitely going to, you know, even if they haven't just an average week, they're going to beat 8.9 before the election because I think they were at 5 when I recorded my first podcast and that was last Wednesday. So they've added 2.2 million in less than 3 days. Um, Crazy stuff going on in Texas. Crazy stuff. Um, I've The Texas Tribune, I tend to, for information, rather than going through the mainstream media, I, I tend to go into the state, the, the large state papers. Um, so the Texas Tribune is one that I have a look at, and they are saying that Texas are going to hit close to 12 million voters in this election. I find that bananas that they could increase by 2.1 million, 3.1 million voters. Now, I, I just to repeat from the first episode, that um, approximately 2 million people have moved into Texas since the last election. There's been like an exodus of people from surrounding states, but in particular Californians from Arizona. Uh, well, more California. And this exodus is leading Democrats to believe that they'll be able to flip Texas blue. And it's the reason I have it loosely included in the battleground states, because theoretically that could happen. Trump won this by 700,000 votes or 
nine points in the last election. So, you know, they have it all to do to flip it. But if there's, you know, if it's trending towards 12 million voters, that is, you're adding, my God, you're adding a third, a third of an electorate onto the last vote. It's it's going to be very hard to predict who or how they're going to vote. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, if you have three million new voters floating in in that state, who knows what could happen? Um, in the first week, the voting analysis I've done in Texas is that rural versus city divide, and the 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 rural counties were the first few days were coming out strongly, uh, or performing strongly, and they're still performing strongly. The cities in the last week have kept turnout rates relatively high, which we often find in cities is the first two days of three days of early voting. You, you have huge queues, huge lines. It's all over the media. And then it starts to die down. We haven't seen that in Texas. In rural or in cities or in suburbs. What all this means, Texas does not divide its voters into Republicans, Democrats and Independents, as far as I can see. Um, all we know about Texas is that it's going to break all voter turnout records and the whole state is highly engaged in this election. It's probably the most engaged state in the whole country at the moment in terms of turnout. And we're just going to have to see... The, the indicators are the Democrats are not spending a lot of campaign time or effort or money on this state in the last week. Um, after the first two days subsided, um, their confidence about flipping this state has diminished. I haven't seen it start to improve over the weekend, but what I might do is do some significant analysis on that state again midweek, just to get some idea, because it's looking, odds on it's going to beat 8.9 million before election day, which will be phenomenal, <clears throat> to be at 100% of the 2016 vote before the election has even started, that is just crazy. So, more on that next week. It's just hard to keep up with all the data that's coming in. And even as we speak, like the data, I think I said 60, like 350,000 votes have been added to the vote statistics since I started this podcast. It's, you know, and it's a Sunday. So it's absolutely phenomenal what's going on in the United States in terms of um, an advertisement for democracy. It's very, very good. But one of the, one of the, Blows to Joe Biden will will be his big boo boo that he made in the final debate with regards to the energy industry in this state. It's just a state that is heavily reliant on the oil and gas industry and fracking, and a lot of it is on public leased land. So, you know, the moderate position for the Democrats is that you know they'll allow fracking, but you know they'll stop leases and subsidies that are of fracking that's on public land like that will have a big effect in texas and it was the reason they came out so quickly afterwards to try and to brush over that but there's no doubt that they they're going to start transitioning away from the energy sector in a democrat white house so i would be very surprised if texas flips to the democrats on that policy platform and we will just have to wait and see. That's all I can say on that. We'll just have to wait and see. So that's the roundup of the 16 battleground states. Sorry that I flipped through some of them a bit quickly. And again, I just repeat, if there's any state there that you want more information on or you'd like think on, I think I'm reading, that I'm reading it wrong, I'm happy to chat with anyone on Twitter. It's Vox Deplorables, V-O-X-D-E-P-L-O-R-A-B-L-E-S. And uh, you can email me at voxdeplorables at gmail.com. And again, if you follow me or become a member on Patreon, it's um, you can contact me there. It's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash thinking out loud IRE. I see I'm running at approximately one hour, 15 minutes. So maybe it's time to round this episode up. I will probably have one out Again, on Tuesday or Wednesday, just given the election cycle, it hadn't been my intention to, you know, speak 
specifically on one topic, but it's just the, I think this election is so important to the world and that the world is waiting to see what's going to happen in the United States before a lot of global issues and global cooperation can start to begin. And it'll be two very different paths we go down to put in the White House. So I think it's worth the time and the effort at the moment to focus on it. And we will get to subjects like COVID and you know other stuff that's going on in the world in later podcasts. But at the moment, all roads lead to the White House. So I'd like to thank anyone who's stuck with me to the end. And I am available, as I said before, on any of the platforms that I hide. Thanks very much and goodbye. Get old.